Hello and welcome to the Phones podcast for Monday the 30th of July. And joining me on this edition is Steve Withers. I think the first thing we should do is call the Avengers. And Steve Withers. I know a guy. And Steve Withers. Is it too late to change the name? Just the two of us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> the, we, Next week, it's just going to be you yeah. <laughs> talking to yourself. <laughs> I don't mind that. I do that every day, all day, every day. It doesn't really matter. Um, yeah, uh, there's only the two of us this week. It is the middle of summer. It's the middle of heat wave. That's no, my fault, to be fair. And it's, uh, yeah, we'll blame Steve. Steve's fault. I had to, unfortunately, for various reasons, do it again on a Thursday and nobody else could do it. So it was either you and me today or possibly you, Ed and Mark tomorrow. But neither of them seem particularly, uh, uh, I think, I think we'll give, we'll give them a week off because normally in the summer we do have a break, but I'm not going anywhere this year. So, so we're not having that break. Um, so the podcast continues through the summer to keep you entertained while you're sitting sunning yourself on a beach somewhere nice and exotic. And if you're not doing that, then you can listen to us somewhere else. Um, so uh, there's only the two of us. What have you been up to this week, Steve, other than work? Let me think. Actually, not a lot. No, pretty quiet week. Just, just working and uh, and enjoying the weather. To be honest, I mean, one of the one of the few real advantages of working from home is when it's like this, and if you've got a garden, you can sit in it. Yeah, rub it in. <laughs> That's uh, great, though, isn't it? I mean, obviously, you, you haven't got a garden, so it's not quite the same. And I think it gets quite hot in your uh, in your gaff in weather like this. Yeah, yeah, because I'm first first floor, so heat rises. So I get the heat from the shops downstairs when they're open, and they've got the light and all and everything else. So I, I get that, and it doesn't matter if I open the windows because I, I can't get a breeze going through the house either. So it gets rather rather hot in here, but I can go out. So, and I have been out yeah. a few times this week. Um, and with the school holidays, um, this is a completely different village when the school is, is schools are, are on holiday. It's really quiet and I can get out in the car and get back again and get parked and I'm not fighting for parking spaces and all that. Great. Fantastic. So I can go out during the day. It's excellent. Uh, that's good. And, uh, uh cinema visits. I'd, I thought I would be clever and go for an early screening for the cinema visit this week. <laughs> yeah, backfire. The, the place was full of women. And I'm thinking, I know Tom Cruise is a bit of a pool at the box office. Maybe it was but, Henry Cavill they came but, to see. But it was absolutely rampacked. And then, of course, it clicked, didn't it? Mamma Mia is on at the minute. So that's what everybody was there for. The screen from Mission Impossible wasn't very full, to be honest. Um, but Mamma Mia looks like it yeah. was packed out, even at 11 in the morning. My wife asked me if I wanted to go and see Mamma Mia, and I said uh, I'd rather <laughs> die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think yeah. I'll, I'll I'll drop you off and I'll pick you up. Should be your reply there. <laughs> yeah, well, I said, haven't you got some friends you can go and see it with? Because uh, I don't want to go. No. <laughs> but, I mean, I don't really have. I mean, actually, I have seen Mamma Mia, the original film, uh, and it was all right. But uh, but the idea of being in, in a cinema packed full of women watching Mamma Mia. Two, whatever it's called. Here we go again. Uh, yeah, it wasn't very appealing, <laughs> especially not when Ant Man opens next week. So I much rather go and see that. Yeah, and and you got Mission Impossible. Don't forget, yeah. which we've both been to see. And we'll review that in the movie section coming up. So so yeah, it's um it's not really the weather for sitting reviewing TVs, which is what I've been doing this week. So I've had a high sense in, which I've been reviewing for the last week. I've just got to finish the write up and put it in the system, and it should be ready to go. But then I've got to film it, and I can't. I have to wait till the evening time to film it, so I can get. Uh, the light level, the right uh, level in, in the room without reflections, you. <laughs> without reflections and all the rest of it. So you know, I've got, got to do that, and it's ah, oh, it's just too warm. And then I had another TV up, turn up today as well, 
uh, another LCD TV. So lots up to do. Up your nads and tellies, aren't you? I am, and I've got a projector turning up on Friday as well. So yeah, I'm going to go and sit in a, in a roasting hot cinema oh, room okay. with, a, with a projector blowing hot air. So there you go. It's nothing worse than sitting there. Yeah. Yeah. Gentlemen. Good for you. Right, competitions. What can you move in? Uh, absolutely nothing at the moment. <laughs> no competitions. Competitions are on running. holiday as well. There you go. Although there have been some actually quite quite big comps running recently. so And there are some very big prize winners coming up. Okay. Uh, Cowboy Bar 666, he or she, won uh, Tomb Raider on Blu-ray. Duke won the Rel T5i subwoofer, so congratulations to him or her. And Rexic 4, Rexic, Rexic, Rexic 4, won the Arkham AVR 390 AV receiver. So cracking prize there. And congratulations to them as well. Excellent. So you know, some really good prizes there. Arkham's mm. excellent. The Rail's yeah. excellent. And there was a Blu-ray as well. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm Tomb Raider. Maybe not so good. <laughs> Maybe not so good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll be back in a sec with some hardware news. Okay, so moving on with hardware news, we've got some reviews and stuff coming up in a sec, but is it big news? Is it not big news? It was reported in Korea, in the Korean press, that Samsung are going to release micro-LED TV in 2019. Um, we're just not sure what version of micro-LED they're actually talking about here, and it is really quite vague when yeah. you, you read the news story. Um, it's the wall luxury. It's going to be 30 millimeters thick. It's not going to be as high as people think. But when it actually comes to the actual technology that's going to be used... There's not a lot of it, really information there that's nailed down to say exactly what it's going to be. Um, the piece actually starts veering off and talking about theoretically what what micro LED can do, but it doesn't actually say what it will do next year. And I'm guessing, I think IFA is going to be a little bit too close um, to get to get any information. Th- there on might this. be some. Um, I think there might be some closed door demos, possibly. If okay. they're genuinely yeah. talking about doing this next year, they might get a first look. But it might be under NDA. But yeah, that seems more likely. If it's going to be a 2019 thing, then obviously CES is the time to announce yeah. it. Yeah, I think. I think uh, or at least announce it as a concept, if nothing else, because that's what they did basically this year, isn't it? They didn't really have any product as, as an actual, you know, model numbers, just um, various concepts that they they announced. So. Um, I mean, they've been talking about it. Obviously, they were talking about it at CES this year. Um, they still, at least at the demo, the demo I went to, they they were talking about. They had two different approaches and they hadn't decided which one to take yet. But you know, their end game obviously is a TV where each each pixel is composed of um, nano LEDs of red, green, and blue. Therefore, you should theoretically get the best of all worlds, i.e., absolute black, very high peak brightnesses, absolute precision control because it's a pixel level. Um, wide viewing angles, um, very wide color gamuts, all, all the things you would want, no no dangerous screen burn or anything like that. So essentially the best of LCD and the best of OLED all combined. Um, that's the theory. Whether they can deliver that in anything approaching a sensible size and a sensible price is the big question. And when we asked them in January, you know, well, when are you thinking of releasing this? It was anywhere between one and nine years. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I think they definitely want, obviously they want to get to the market as quickly as possible because... Otherwise, they're just going to be playing a hold, uh, this sort of holding game. I think that's what they are whilst... playing. And, and the cynic in me, and I'll be the cynical one here in this conversation, um, This, you know, they, they are out on their own at the minute, Samsung. They, they, they've chosen what they're going to do, and they have said that they are not going to go the OLED route. So everybody else has got OLED screens at the minute. Samsung don't have that um, to compete at the minute. And the cynic in me says that, 
we'll get something this year, but it won't be the micro LED that that we hope it'll be where it's pixel level and all the rest of it, because I think it's too early for that. Or if they do release that, then you're talking like tens of thousands of pounds to buy one. Um, I, I don't know. I just I don't see it happening. However, flip the coin the other way, it could be the case of Samsung realise they're out on their own and they, they really need to invest in this technology and they really have gone, gone you know, all guns blazing to try and mm. get something out for next year. So I really don't know. It, it seems a bit early to me um, and it feels a little bit like they, they want to have something to talk about even though they, they don't actually have... Yeah, they can keep the conversation least. alive at the very least, yeah, and that yeah. way it might put people off buying an OLED now and think, well, I don't need a TV just yet. I'll wait and see what happens next year. Um, I mean, there are other reasons for waiting to next year as well, I suppose, if you want HDMI 2.1, if you want, I mean, I'm going to say if you want an 8K panel or a HFR, but I mean, those things will be around at CES, no question about it, but uh, but there's not going to be any content for well, either. Well, really, either. We, th- we thought this year CES was going to be full of HDMI 2.1 and HFR, and it wasn't. It, it no, just wasn't uh, HDMI 2.1, obviously, it's, been, it's taking a lot longer for the specs to be finalized than everyone thought. Plus, there's a shortage, apparently, of silicon, so there's not many chipsets, which is one of the problems. And also, in all fairness, you can deliver most of the things that you need right now, if not all of them, without HDMI 2.1. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I mean, the only things it's absolutely essential for are HFR and um, that's high frame rate, in case you know what it is, high frame rate and 8K. So since neither of those are, you know, going to be happening anytime soon, uh, you know, you, you might you might find manufacturers, a lot of manufacturers just stick with what they've got, what works and, and just use that for the time being. And uh, maybe maybe even at CES, it still won't, this coming CES, it still won't be a big deal. But uh, I imagine we'll see a lot more 8K panels just because they need something to... Just, just because, just because 8K, yeah, basically. Because yeah, they can, basically, because <laughs> they can. Yeah, and, you know, our audience, they're interested in it. They're interested in 8K and so on. But I think for the wider market, um, the, uh, the wider market still hasn't really cottoned on to what 4K is yet. So yeah. I think 8K is just a little <laughs> bit too. But then there has, there has to be something because NHK have said for probably the last four or five years that the Japanese Olympics were going to be the, the showcase for 8K technology. Um, so I would suspect at least Japanese manufacturers uh, to be pushing 8K, the likes of you know Panasonic having cameras and and, and other bits and pieces. Oh, over I think the next we'll see 8K years. broadcast in yeah. Asia in 2020. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I know, I know they're talking about that already in China and in Japan, but in this part of the world, um, forget it. <laughs> it's yeah, not yeah. going to happen. Yeah. Uh, I'll be happy if they can deliver 4K and HDR, you know, in in an acceptable manner. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, the, the infrastructure is just not here. Uh, in the West for it to happen. Um, else, elsewhere, like Japan and, and Korea, they've, they've got a far better chance of, of actually making it happen. And of course, you know, um, I don't know if you saw that video that was attached to one of the podcasts a few weeks ago, Steve, um, Techmoon. Yeah, yeah, I did watch that. It was really interesting. It, I like wasn't it? These guys' really, videos are really good. I like yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. Re- excellent videos. If you haven't seen them, go watch them. Uh, but the whole thing about Pulse and High Vision, I didn't realise that was 90, yeah. 90, early 90s. Early the, 90s, they had yeah. High Vision uh, for, um, full HD laser discs. Um, yeah, yeah I'd, I'd completely forgotten about that. Um, and uh, it was quite, I mean, and it looked pretty good didn't it in the demos that he showed side by side with a normal for, for the time when when you the, consider yeah. that that, at that moment, yeah i mean i had a i, I think the largest 
CRT TV was 33 or 37 inches around that point, and it was massive. And I changed it for a rear projection set, which was even bigger. Um, and then I've just had a, a 50 inch TV delivered today, and the guy handed it to me off the back of the lorry and says, hey, You can't handle that yeah, on your own. Yeah. <laughs> it was tiny and it was so light. So, yeah, where we've come. Uh, but I still think it's a bit early for 8K, but we will see massive 8K, I'm sure. Will we see micro-LED? I'm sure we'll see a working demonstration of it. I'm sure it'll be more advanced than it was this year at CES. Uh, whether we get to see that at IFA um, in three weeks' time, I don't think we will, unless they're, they're, they're really keeping things under wraps. I think we're more likely to see it at CES. But it's interesting technology. And, and at the end of the day, you know, they, they might be competing against LG and, and other people and all the rest of it but this is what we want we want competition in the marketplace we want manufacturers doing different things because we benefit at the end of the day from the technology uh, and the advances that they make and the investment that they make in terms of getting lines up and running to make these things so um, hopefully it, 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 it fulfills the promise that's there whether it does that this year or next year probably a bit early to say I think yeah yeah I think you're right I think it's uh, Aoife, we're going to see the TV that we saw at CES, the one that um, was 8K with yeah, uh, well, yeah. AI and uh, micro dimming, whatever they were calling it. Um, that's going to be what we'll see, at least publicly anyway. Um, that, that, I'm pretty sure that's what they got lined up. Um, but that's that's still a, that's still local dimming. Um, although a lot of zones, I think they were talking about at least 10,000, weren't they, at CES? So yeah. that should be interesting to or see. It, uh, it, was, it was either 10,000 or tens of thousands. Well, they, they said initially 40,000 um, and then sort of scaled it back fairly quickly uh, to at least 10,000. So um, uh, who knows? But uh, that was an 8K panel as well, wasn't it? So uh, it was, yeah. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, but I've got, I suspect that will definitely be uh, EFA. Um, and and then maybe behind closed doors, you might see some other stuff that they've got lined up. But but uh, yeah, we'll find out, I suppose, in a month. <laughs> we will. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it's getting so close now. I mean, and you know, it's getting close when the emails start. And and this week has been. Uh, can you come and meet us? Do you want to come and see this? Do you want to come and see that? I've just had loads of those emails this week, and it's trying to trying to put a diary together because I don't know. Oh, you you're uh, the same days that I'm there, Steve. So three days. Well. Just about no, three days. Really. We don't get that to Wednesday afternoon. We go on Friday afternoon, so really you've got a day and a half. Yeah, actually, now thinking about it, I've got less time than I thought I did. Yeah, Thanks. you've got all day Thursday, Thanks, half Steve. the stuff you have to go to, and you've got Friday morning. I know, I've done this for the last <laughs> four years. It's, yeah. so, it's, it's basically a mad dash around what is a massive bloody complex. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think in terms of our coverage this year, it's going to be strictly TV stuff this year. Um, so um, I think that's what we need to cover. There should be some interest in developments. There should be some interest. Oh, and, in, and a bit of projector. And, and a, yeah, obviously projectors as well. But I think display is definitely what we'll be concentrating on this year. Um, we'll try and get videos out. We'll try and get interviews with people that, that, that are important, that are going to be making these announcements that we hope are going to get made. And hopefully we'll know a bit more. Um, but I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It's been a few years since I was last there. So I'm really looking forward to Eva. I mean, CES is the show I enjoy the most. Um, because it's the beginning of the year, because it is all the new stuff, because it is the roadmap ahead. Uh, but IFA's still an interesting show on the press days. I don't like public days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, right, so what else was in the news? Yeah, Amazon. 
Uh, so they're going to add Dolby Atmos to Prime. Uh, they're going to launch that with a new Jack Ryan series. I saw a trailer for that um, yesterday before uh, Mission Impossible. Yeah, before the film. It looked pretty good, didn't it? Yeah, it did. It looked really good. It looks like they've, they've put some money into it. It looks yeah. like the effects is good. Cinematography looked looked interesting as well. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that translates to the smaller screen. Uh, it starts 31st of August, um, so the end of the month. Um so Amazon adding Dolby Atmos. Have they said if it's going to be in HDR or not? I'm presuming uh, it will be. The series almost... Uh, I'd, I'd be very surprised if the series was not in HDR because it's an Amazon-produced series. So yeah. my assumption would be it would be 4K HDR. It might well be Dolby Vision in the States where the, they, the Amazon do use Dolby Vision in the US. They don't use it in this country. Uh, here it's Dolby, uh, HDR 10 and HDR 10+. Apparently, although there's no way of actually being able to tell that on an HDR 10 Plus TV at the moment. Um, but the new, yeah, the new thing is that they're going Dolby Atmos, uh, which brings them up to up to the same level as Netflix, who already put delivered content in Dolby Atmos. The question will be how it's delivered, um, definitely over Fire TV. And then the other question then becomes whether, you know, say, companies like uh, um, LG, who ha- you know, TVs have Dolby Atmos decoding built in, and certainly with the Netflix app, you can get Dolby Atmos, so whether they'll be able to do the same thing with the Amazon app. Um, Apple have recently, they haven't released it yet publicly, but I- I've got mine set up for the beta, the new beta version of TV, um, OS TV 12, and that's adding Dolby Atmos as well. So there'll be Dolby Atmos soundtracks, at least from iTunes, uh, but also possibly again Netflix and Amazon, assuming that they update their their apps within um, Apple TV. So I, I guess um, you know as far as the immersive audio war is concerned, uh, I think it's game set and match to Dolby Atmos. <laughs> it just seems like it's it's taken a long time. I mean, uh, oh, when was I at Netflix? That must have been 2016, 2015, 2016. I went for the WebOS. Uh, launch, so it would have been around about then, and we visited Netflix, and and that that was a big thing, you know. Well, we're going to bring Dolby Atmos, we're going to bring Dolby Vision. It just seems to have taken it's three years. It just seems a little bit longer than that um, mm-hmm. to to get here, but it's here now. And I got to say, I'm really impressed with with how Netflix deliver um, the technology. Did you get I, Dolby Atmos from the Netflix app on the Xbox? Uh, yes. Uh, yes, it is there now, and you also get it. Um, and obviously, the Xbox should be doing Vision very soon as well. Um, yeah, but is that uh, update coming? So, yeah, I don't know. I I, um, I did see the article where that was mentioned, um, but then I also saw another article by the same person saying afterwards that that may be wrong. <laughs> you might be wrong. You may have got rough, <laughs> tough information off Microsoft. Okay, so so it it might be, it might not be. It's one of them that you could build a whole software. But it's certainly Double Vision. So. Um, who was it recently added? Is it Rack Rakuten Rakuten TV? Yeah. Yeah. They now got Dolby Vision in this country, so that's Netflix, iTunes, and and Rakuten TV uh, here in the US. There's also uh, Vudu and um, and Amazon. Uh, so you know, coverage-wise, it's definitely um, expanding. Although interestingly, um, whilst it seems to be expanding quite a bit in the streaming side of things, Disney, who have used Dolby Vision on a couple of their recent releases like Black Panther, aren't putting Dolby Vision on the Avengers Infinity War and Solo uh, releases. So whether they've had a change of heart or whether they just don't think it adds enough value, or then I don't know, it's, uh, that's pure speculation on my part. Um, yeah, but interesting that they've, they've decided not to use them. Although, again, the streaming versions will have Dolby Vision. So... Mm, interesting that one, and of course, you know, there's the whole thing about their soundtracks. Um, yeah, 
not being dynamically reduced, but but just being quieter um, on on the discs that have been released so far as well. So um, interesting that, that that's the case. I mean, it could just be that that they feel that it doesn't need those titles don't need it to sell, um, and and why go to the expense? But then if they're on the streaming service, it means that the expense has been spent in hmm. doing in doing the the Dolby Vision. And grade. Perhaps I just think so, that it adds more value via streaming than it does. Maybe uh, on on disc. I mean, you you yourself have said you know comparing Dolby Vision, Ultra HD Blu-rays, the the on on a TV in Dolby Vision, and also doing comparing it with one in HDR10. The HDR10 looks great. So perhaps the incremental improvements are so small that they just felt like why bother? You know, HDR10 does a good enough job, and where really we really need need um the help of Dolby Vision is with streaming services. Yeah. What would be really interesting is if they suddenly went HDR10 plus. Mm. Wouldn't that set the cut among pigeons? Well, I, I'm expecting to see some sort of announcement about that. Uh, not necessarily Disney, but an HDR10 plus announcement, announcement of some sort at IFA. Yeah, I'd be surprised if, if there wasn't disc announcements at IFA. We ain't getting any discs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's it. It's it's the last opportunity they have this year to to make announcements. And the fact that it, it is a European show, so you've got Panasonic, you've got Samsung there, in and they always have a, a large presence there because Panasonic don't do anything display wise uh, for CES. Um, so yeah, you you would expect it to be, or expect something to happen at IFA uh, in regards to HDR10 plus. Or uh, as you say, they'll have missed the boat on that one. I think. I think I think if they don't do something soon, then uh, well, Dolby's going to be because even though Disney didn't put it on there, I mean Disney don't do a lot of 4K discs for a start, so it's not like a big issue. But certainly, loads and loads of discs now are coming out with Dolby Vision on on them from Paramount, Universal, Warner's. Um, they're certainly using them quite a lot. Sony have been using it quite a lot. So, uh, so you know, it, it's definitely getting a foothold as far as disc goes, and obviously it's got a big foothold as far as streaming goes. So, uh, yeah, I mean, another you know, if you're talking about sort of announcements at CES and then next summer releases, it's too late, I think, by then. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, and again, like like you mentioned, and I've had the Panasonic TV in recently. You've had a Panasonic TV in recently as well. If it is an HDR10 plus, it's it's not night and day difference between HDR10 <laughs> streaming because I couldn't tell the difference, and it it wasn't telling me um, if it was an HDR10 plus or not. So, yeah, it's a bit of a difficult one to test at the minute without any discs or without uh, Amazon telling you if if the content you're watching is HDR10 plus. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see where that goes this year. Uh, so. In terms of reviews, we've been talking about uh, what we've been getting delivered. So I had uh, a TV delivered today, Cello. It's their Platinum LED LCD TV. It is not an HDR TV. Uh, there's no HDR uh, mentioned anywhere in the specs or on the box. It is a 4K UHD TV. So it's going to be interesting. Uh, this is the second sort of budget TV that I've had a look at um, so far in the last week. So I've got the Hisense uh, U7A here at the moment, the 55-inch. You had a look at the 65-inch, Steve. Um, like I say, I'm just putting the review together now and the video and so on. And um, it should be up on the site next week, early next week, when you're listening to this podcast. I've got to say, I, I agreed once I'd done my testing and, and uh, gone back and checked some of the points on your review as well, um, it performs 
almost identically uh, in terms of uh, calibration and out of the box and so on. Funnily, uh, I think yours was towards red and mine was towards cyan out of the box in terms yeah. of white balance. So there was a little bit of difference there. But obviously, you're going to get panel variation. It is an LED LCD TV using a VA panel. Uh, you know, it's a mass-produced product, so there's, uh, there are going to be variances there. But interestingly, HDR, I, I would not describe it as an HDR TV, even though it is down as, as an HDR TV. Uh, just because brightness wise it was 250 something nits out of the box and that was with a 5% window, a 10% window and full full field window so unless there's something seriously wrong because I think you found the same thing with the 65 Yeah, no, no, I, I had a bit more brightness than that but not much. Yeah, so unless there's something seriously wrong with how uh, these TVs are performing I actually think it's because of the price point, it's because of the panels being used, and Hisense are going for an HDR image where it's not going to introduce any issues whatsoever because it's a mass market product, this one. It's not aimed at enthusiasts or the enthusiast market. So I think they've gone for an HDR image that's not going to cause them any issues, i.e. it's not going to overclip things, it's not going to be overly bright, it's it's going to be as simple as possible for the consumer. And uh, they're, they're sort of going for what Sony go for, and that's a consistent image, a mm. consistent brightness image. So they're not really tone mapping the image much. In fact, it rolls off once it hits 200 nits on the PQE or TF curve, it rolls off pretty quickly. Um, yeah. Because, like I say, the peak brightness is 253, and I think I managed the absolute maximum I got out of this 260 something um, in dynamic mode. So, and I tested that with, with uh, quite a bit different software as well. So I used the Klein software and I also used Kalman software. Um, so in Kalman, you get the HDR analysis tools yeah. and running through that, uh, I got exactly the same readings that I was getting through the Kalman tool, which is basically, it's just a white balance uh, uh, measurement that it takes through the software, but it gives you a, a net reading of the maximum output as well. So I tested on two bits of software with the Klein probe and, um, you know, and we both use different pattern generators now. Steve, so you're using a... I use the um, oh, Video Forge. Video right. Forge. And I'm, I'm still using Meridio. So it wasn't even that. It wasn't the, the, the metadata being sent by no, our no. pattern generators was causing an issue. So it is it is just a... a it's not a, a really an HDR TV as we would describe it as a high dynamic range TV. Having said that, picture quality, I've got to say, for the money that you're spending and the, the 55 inches of it, 650 quid, it's... It's cheap, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, the build quality is superb. Uh, you're getting metals. There's, there's, there's probably more plastic on this one than there was on the, the 65 inch because obviously 65 inch is a bit bigger, so it needs a bit more strength. Yeah. Uh, 55 inch, there was a little bit more plastic around the back um, in terms of the area where, where the connections and stuff are, 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 are kept. However, it really reminded me of the Sony design this year uh, on their OLED. You know, we're having the thin section at the top of the screen and then widening out at the bottom. Um, so it had that kind of look to it. And I've got to say, build quality. They're built. It's got the solid. Uh, stand um, from uh, Samsung about two years ago. Yeah, so it's like a um, what, what is it? It's a foot stand, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, and again, it, it was nice and easy to put together. It was nice and easy to set up. Um, I like the fact that they hide dynamic mode. <laughs> In the picture modes, I quite like that. It's at the end. It's yeah. not. It's not the first one you come to. Um, in terms of picture accuracy, out of the box, it was it was fairly good. Because anybody buying a TV like that is not going to get it calibrated. Not if you're paying six hundred fifty quid. 
um, you'd have to pay 50% again for a calibration to get somebody out to do it. Yeah, yeah, not, um, you're probably not going to get that calibrated. It's got like a cinema, well, was it, I think they call it cinema day, cinema night. Cinema right? day, but, cinema night. Yeah. Um, even the standard mode was, was fairly good. A um, little bit more blue in it, but, yeah. but acceptable. And the sports mode, I've got to say the sports mode, I was expecting it to be like dynamic and over the top and all the rest of it, but actually, in terms of white balance, it was really quite balanced uh, in the sports mode, so it, it didn't look too garish when you were watching football content like the the grass wasn't luminous green or, or anything like that it was a, a bit brighter than the cinema modes but again it wasn't overly inaccurate that it would it was causing issues obviously motion is turned on on everything so if you don't want motion uh, on motion interpolation on when you're watching films you have to go into even the cinema modes had it switched on you need to go in and switch all that kind of thing off noise reduction and that kind of thing if you want it switched off but in terms of a consumer TV for 650 quid, five, 55 inches, um, the only disappointment was the HDR performance, but actually at that price point, I think you can forgive it that a little bit because I can't think of any other TV, not that I've seen loads of them at that price point, but I can't think of anything that kind of jumps out from Panasonic or Sony or anything That's else. That's the ticket. When you point. start writing the bit at the end, you know, what, what, what are my alternatives for the review? You're like, really? What are the alternatives at yeah, that price point? Yeah, because, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're looking at eight, £900 before you can hit anything that, that can compete in terms of build quality and smart TV and that kind of thing from the major names. So you're immediately adding you know, nearly 250 300 quid onto the price um, to get up to that level. So for the money, they're really, really good. And like I say, I had a cello TV delivered today. First time I've looked at that brand. Uh, they reached out to us. Um, they want They want to bring the brand more up to date in the UK and they wanted our opinions on the set so they, they wanted to send one in for review so I'm happy to look at that like I say it's not an HDR set it's just 4k but we'll have a look at that we'll see how it performs and I'm not sure the price point but I think it'll be even lower than the uh, than the high sense so it'll be interesting to see that and I do know that they are looking at uh, another display technology Steve I'm not going to say much more than that because I don't know if I'm allowed to say much more than that how many display technologies but- are there <laughs> But but once again, it'd be interesting to see what a budget brand could do with that. So uh, so yeah, so that that should be interesting. That's coming up from me. Um, like I say, uh, expecting projectors after EFA, so that's going to be end of the month uh, for the new projector lines, and hoping that they come out when they normally come out. It, you know, I think last year they were a little bit delayed, um, but with you know the nights are closing in again. Steve, it's getting back into projector season. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> you didn't <get> choke. <laughs> Sorry. Um, you were saying? <laughs> yeah, the lights are coming in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah um, don't say that. It's, it's not even August yet. <laughs> I am joking. But, uh, but yeah, well, no, I'm not joking because they actually are coming in. But, so they uh, are coming But we've sort of plateaued for a bit now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, there, should be, there should be some interest. I, I, we're, we're kind of stuck because we know there's interesting things coming. We just kind of talk about it at the minute. Um, but after EFA, we will be able to tell you uh, about what's coming up. There are some launch events in September as well, which are going to be really quite interesting for AV Forums members as well when it comes to projectors and that sort of display side of things. So there's there's stuff coming there. Uh, but review-wise, I've got two TVs. Um, I'm expecting uh, a couple of Samsungs turning up at some point this month as well. I haven't seen a Samsung this year. You have, but I haven't seen anything from them. And I'm I'm looking forward to having a look uh, yeah, the, to uh, see Q955 inch. The Q955, hopefully, and I'm see. hoping that they're going to send me a, a Q8 as well. Um, and that's going to be the interesting TV, the Q8. I think the Q9, we kind of know what's coming from that. 
uh, Kuwait be interesting. Um, I guess the only other team... Kuwait's got a full backlight as well, so it should be just less zones, basically. Yeah, so it should be interesting. Um, and it's at a lower price point as well, so, mm. so we've got that to look forward to. Uh, we still got uh, LG's um, B8. We haven't seen anything of that yet. Um, and that's one that I, I really wanted to have a look at as well. So, Are they sending um, it out for review? I haven't seen anything. I've got suspicion they aren't. But, um... Right, okay. Um, and then I, th- I think we've more or less seen most of the, the, the top TVs for the year at that point. Um, and then it'll just be what is announced at, at IFA and if we're going to see that sort of Q4, um, which hopefully we will see a couple of, at least a couple of TVs coming in Q4. Philips is at the very least. Um, yeah, well, definitely. And I, and I know I've got one of them coming, but that's probably going to be next month. A 65-inch TV that I'm going to have to struggle with. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I might do that one to jazz this time around. Uh, but that should be interesting as well. So, it, I mean, it's basically the 9002 in a 65-inch frame, but it's going to be interesting to see... With an 8,000 number. With an 8,000 number, which <laughs> is going to be confusing as well. Or is, is yeah. it 8,000 or is it 800? It's um, eight nine something, isn't it's it? Eight, eight nine something. So yeah, yeah, eight nine oh two or something. Like that. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's very confusing because it is exactly the same television, just with a sixty-five inch screen. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, but whatever. <laughs> but, but yeah, I think uh, we're going to see more of Philips this year, which is good because that's been the complaint when we've reviewed things in the past is that people think, yeah, great, I can't, I can't buy one anywhere. Um, yeah, and I think that's been an issue for them, but. The, they've been telling me that, that that's sorted this time around. They're going to have plenty of stock in, in uh, retailers and so on. So, um, so yeah, be interesting to see what they're going to go because the 65 inch and there's going to be, I think, some more announcements uh, when we get to IFA as well. And Sony, I'm expecting some announcements there as well, at least two TVs, hopefully. There are at least two TV models being announced there. Whether they come out Q4, I don't know. But hopefully there'll be that. So yeah. So in terms of TVs, we're not finished because normally this time of the year we're finished with the TVs. Um, but everything's been a bit later, which is strange because it's been a World Cup year as well. You would think yeah. everybody would have been rushing to get out, but I think there's been issues with panel supply as well. So I think that's what's sort of held things up this year. That that's actually true. There has been a problem with panel supply. I, I suppose you know it's um, a testament to the success of OLED and the fact that there is a single panel supplier that um, you're going to get supply issues when you've got one company making them and everyone except for Samsung offering OLEDs as, as part of their lineup and um, yeah. and they've been selling really well. I mean, you know, the sales have been superb. So, I mean, it, I guess from LG's perspective, it's great. You know, they, their gambles paid off, but yeah, they just have to up production to meet demand. Yeah. And my, my understanding is that there are new lines now on tap that were yeah. coming online, they, they, they should now be online. So that, that shouldn't be an issue now going forward, For is my understanding on that one, reading uh, things in the Korean press and so on. So it looks like, you know, uh, they're going to push forward. It'll be interesting. I think this time next year, it'll be interesting to see where we are in terms of market because OLED's been really dominating for the last little while. So it'll be interesting to see if the Samsung announcement that they've made about micro LED actually comes comes true and we have something um, to compete and something to push the market on a bit and, and push OLED on and to innovate a little bit more. Yeah, no, I mean, um, it, it, yes, I think uh, the, the more popular is obviously the, the real benefit for everyone is going to be the prices are going to drop, you know, and the more the more demand, the, well, so rather, the more supply that there is uh, and the more companies doing it and the, the more production facilities that are available, the lower ultimately the price will be. Um, and OLED is already approaching a mass market price point. I think when you people picking up B7s and C7s for one and a half grand, that's uh, 
you know, when you consider how much was how much were they when they first came to market? Fifty-five inch. Oh, a fifty-five-inch when they first came to market. Oh, yeah, you're talking five, four, six grand. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, four, yeah, five lot. grand. Yeah. yeah, it was. Yeah. It was a lot. Um, yeah, we moved on a lot there, and like I say, you know, if if these uh, comments do uh, materialize into product, and we have a bit more competition in the market, it's only good for for everybody then, uh, and it moves things along. So, what are you looking at other than what we said, Steve? Uh, yeah, I've, I've got the REL 801003, which is a 499 quid subwoofer. So people are complaining that I've been looking at really expensive subs recently. So I thought I'd get something a bit more affordable <laughs> in. And also, I've got to say, I'm wearing to say a lot smaller and easier to move. Um, but yeah, this, this is uh, this is it looks like a cracking little sub. And um, and yeah, I mean, obviously for people who are building a system um, and they want to put a sub or maybe even two subs, and this kind of price point is a lot more affordable. Um, but doesn't mean you say you can't, don't get performance out of it too. So uh, I mean, that's let's be honest. Rel know how to make a sub. Yeah, <laughs> they, they've been making subs for a long time. That's been their main, uh, their yeah. only business really. So uh, so yes, I expected big things out of My this. My uh, first subwoofer was a Rel yeah, Storm. Mine was too. Yeah. Mine was too. Yeah, I think everyone's first sub is a Rel. <laughs> uh, I also uh, I will getting in the next few days or certainly beginning next week um, the Sonos Beam. So that'd be interesting to get a crack at that. Yeah, you've got quite a few soundbars coming up in the next few weeks, haven't you? If I can get them out, if I can get hold of them. Um, But I'm hopefully going to be looking at uh, Sonos Beam um, Bose 300. Okay. The uh, LG SK SK10Y. Yeah, it looks like Sky. Yeah, yeah, Sky. uh, Which is the one they've made with Meridian, um, which is Dolby Atmos. And also the Sony ZF9. Is it ZF9? Yeah, um, which is X- uh, XF9, isn't it? X- XF9, yes, the one that's designed to sort of complement the um, X- 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 XF90. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and um, that, uh, um, yeah, so that's that, at least that. So quite a few um, soundbars, hopefully over the next few weeks or months, <laughs> <laughs> depending on when they come in. Yeah, it's. I mean, this year just seems to be running away, isn't it? It's like, guys, we're almost August. Uh, well, well, we are, but the time you listen to this podcast, we're in August. Uh, it just seems to have uh, flown by so far this year. So slow down a little bit because we've still got loads of work to do. Um, right, so that's Hardware News. We'll be back in a sec with movie reviews. Okay, so movie reviews. Before we do that, we've got to do... It's end of month, so we've got to do film of the month. Now, we know that Mark and and Ed, who are not here on the podcast, won't have been to the cinema. So we can do that this week. We'll leave Ed's round up till next week and uh, TV shows and that kind of thing till next week. But film of the month has to be what we saw this week. It's, for me, Mission Impossible Fallout is probably the best action-adventure film I have seen in probably a decade. Yeah, it was really good. It was really, really good. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how um, the insurance companies insure Tom Cruise for these films. Yeah. I know some of the stuff he gets up to. I've got to say, I have never been really been a Tom Cruise fan when it comes to films. So I've put up with him. I've, he's done a good job over the years and so on. But I've never been somebody who's actually stopped and thought, "What a great actor!" Until I saw that yesterday, and. The fact that he's fifty-six year old, <laughs> and that it's all on screen. Um, now there are safety harnesses. There are points where a, a stuntman will still stand broke in. his ankle, didn't he? And he still broke his ankle, but the fact that it's in camera, 
it's actually him doing the stunt. He's actually hanging off that that thing, what it is that he's hanging off, or jumping over, or driving, or flying, or whatever. The fact that it's in camera and he's doing it, and he's fifty six year old, and you just think the man is a machine. And the thing is, he can act on top of that. So he's yeah. doing all this stuff, but he's acting at the same time. Um, I've I have newfound respect for the guy. I really have, and. It's made me look at what he what he does as a profession differently. Now I know, you know, off screen and all the rest of it. There's all sorts of different things in his private life and all that kind of thing. I'm not interested in any of that. What he does on screen, absolutely astonishing. And this movie, it has its flaws. It's not a perfect movie. Then you're never going to have a perfect movie or anything like that. But it sets it to do um, set piece to set piece to set piece. But the thing is, it actually has a coherent story to it as well. And it's a nice continuation on from the last film. Um, and it has a nice resolution to it. Mm. But all the time, there's this threat all the way through of um, the, there's a possibility that this is not going to end very well. And and you have that jeopardy and that, that thought and, and that anybody could cop it or the story could go one or two ways, one or three ways, one or four ways. It has its twists, it has its turns. Um, and it's all held together by... Uh, Cruise and and the cast and I've got to say who really 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 impressed me other than Tom Cruise was Simon Pegg because mm. when he was in the first few appearances he's made I thought he was quite stilted and didn't quite fit what was going on and so on this one um, I just thought his confidence levels his his belief in the character that he was playing um, it was more believable he had a lot more on screen presence and you believed him more in the role that he was playing. Um, so I thought he came across really well and and overall I thoroughly enjoyed it I would recommend you go and see it I saw it in uh, 240 to 1 on, it was on a big screen uh, it was a 200, 300 odd seat uh, but it was in 2D I'm going to go back and see it in IMAX I think um, mm. because I think it's going to be a, a different experience again in, I, I'm obviously going to have to sit through 3D but I've read some of the comments on the forums people have seen it in 3D and said it's actually quite good 3D so I think I'll go and see it again this week um, and go and see it on IMAX because um, I think it's worth it to go and see it again. Um, I really, really enjoyed it. You? I thought it's superb. I thought I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was yeah. It's it's certainly I think it's one of the best films I've seen this year. Uh, never mind this month. Um, it's definitely one of the best action films I've seen in a very long time. The set pieces, the stunt work, the stuff that Cruz does himself uh, are all top class. It's got a great plot. It's reasonably compl- complicated that makes you think a bit um it's got a solid villain uh and uh and i think the whole cast were excellent the direction superb uh, christopher mccrory so it's the first time that someone uh, they haven't because normally with these these films that they have a different director each time so christopher, christopher mccrory wrote and directed rogue nation so he's actually the first time they've had a director come back do a second mission impossible film but as you say for this does carry on from rogue nation to a certain extent with a few little nods here and there to the other films in the series too. So it kind of feels like a culmination. So if he doesn't do any more, although I suspect he probably will, so I think this is going to do quite well at the box office, but you've got to wonder how many more he can make at 56 years old because he does more running in this film <laughs> than I've yeah. ever seen him do in any yeah. film. And Tom Cruise likes to run in his films. Unfortunately, every time I see Tom Cruise running in a film now, <laughs> I immediately start thinking about the joking uh, family guy, which I won't repeat, I don't want to get sued. But, <laughs> um, but that, that thought's always in my head when he's running. Uh, and it's in this movie as well, isn't it? There's one long one take running along the rooftops, running along the rooftops, and, and you just yeah. and he's doing that. 
you know, which is where he breaks his ankle, and the the scene where he breaks his ankles in the film, (laughs) you see him pulling himself up and hobbling with a broken ankle, but he kept going, he didn't break character, he didn't stop shooting, he's finished shooting. (laughs) So uh, you got to respect that. I got to say, you do respect. There was something I thought like, well, that must be CG, and I thought, and I realised after reading about it that the the halo jump was for real. (laughs) He actually learned how to halo jump. He learned how to fly a helicopter for God's sake. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's just insane. Annoyingly though. there is a, a twist. Um, you know, one of the characters, you know, isn't who you think is, is really obvious. You know, because on the basis that there's only a certain number of characters in the film. Yeah. Uh, so by process of very quick elimination, I'm like, well, it has to be him. But also, if you've seen any of the trailers, you'll also know it's him because he's in the bloody trailers, annoyingly. Yeah. But yeah, it wasn't like hard to work out. It's like, oh, okay, he's obviously going to turn. Um, but that point aside, the fact that the, the, the sort of plot twist was you can see it coming about five miles away other than that i thought it was a cracking film and uh i i really really enjoyed it and uh yeah i mean and then the ending really tense wasn't it It it's like they really piled on the pressure in the last sort of 15 minutes 20 minutes is absolutely nail-biting and um and also it's got some good humor in it too um uh like a little bit why won't you just die Yeah. Uh, so yes, yes. I absolutely. I mean, I think Kaz gave it ten out of ten, and I'd have to agree with him. They are nine, ten out of ten. Definitely, it's uh, it's an absolutely superb film, and it's an incredible thing that you know these films have been going since what ninety six, so twenty two years now, mm. uh, and they they're getting better and better, and um, they really knocked one out of the park. Yeah, hopefully they'll do another one. Um, but again, I, I'd be happy if he did because you know I think they set it up nicely with uh, some new characters that came into this film, um, things like um, Vanessa Kirby's character. Um, uh, what was her character called? Oh, the black, the white widow. Uh, I quite liked her character. Uh, so, and I'd like to see her again. And obviously, Angela Bassett is the head of the CIA. Um, so, you might see her again. And uh, yeah, yeah. And obviously, like you say, Mike Simon Pegg, and this is his fourth Mission Impossible film now. So, he's really got the hang of it, I think. He's really fitted into the part nicely. Ving Rains was yeah. good, as always. Um, Rebecca Ferguson comes back from the previous film, and she's great. Uh, the only one missing, actually, was Jeremy Renner, because he was in the previous two. Um, but I think he couldn't do this film because of his um, Avengers commitments. So mm. that's a shame. But uh, yeah, no, uh, uh, great film. Really enjoyable. I highly yeah. recommend yeah. it. Although it, it's going to be a big ask to outdo what they've done. With I don't know. Film. Yeah. <laughs> but mind you, I said that last time when he was hanging off the side of a plane. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. <laughs> and, and this is the thing with Cruise. You never or know. Or the Burj Khalifa scene. Yeah, yeah. I remember that? Yeah. <laughs> and this is the thing with Cruise, though. You never know what you're going to get. No. You never know which Tom Cruise you're going to get. Cause... Do you think maybe they start the film at the, at the script stage? They're like, right, Tom, what mad things do you want to do this time? And <laughs> 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 must make a list. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it definitely. If if you haven't seen, well, do you it reckon yet... next time they're going to send him into space? Aren't they? He's going to have to go to space next. I don't see what else he can do really. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's done almost everything else there is to do. So it'll be interesting to see. And of course, he's doing another Top Gun, isn't he? So um, yeah, it's yeah, he's yeah, he's doing all right for a guy who broke on the scene. 30 years ago? Uh, years ago? I remember seeing, the first thing I saw Tom Cruise in was The Outsiders, and that, I think that was 1983. So, um, 82 even, possibly. 82. Taps, when was that? 81, 82? Yeah, he's, he's been around. I, I've known Tom Cruise, well, not personally known him, but he's been, <laughs> in, no, he's been an actor I've been, you know, I've seen his films since the early 80s, so yeah, long time. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, if you haven't seen it yet, go see it. And you have to see it on the big screen. It's one yeah, of the bigger screen, that, the better. Yeah, it's a real big screen. Absolutely. Although, I've got to say, I don't know what you, you thought this. I suppose the first half an hour, um, I guess the scenes took place at night or dusk or in in dark places. But I remember thinking, like, 
what is it with modern films? Can someone put some lights on something, please? It was very dim for the right. first 20 minutes uh, or so. I didn't find it dim. I know the scenes that you're talking about. Um, that might have been the screening that you were in. Um, because it, it it didn't look overly dull, if you know what I mean. And I, I know what you mean, but it yeah, was. But like... also, they were nighttime scenes and that sort of stuff, so yeah. they were meant to be darker. But I just kind of felt like put a light on someone. Also, <laughs> it was a bit later on when there was an awful lot of lens flares. And oh, JJ Abrams produced this one, didn't he? Yeah, I, I did notice that. <laughs> Enough but with the lens flares, for God's sake! But you see, that I was th- the shootout in the sort of dark tunnels. Yeah, yeah. But I thought, I thought flares. that was a nice little. Um, I actually thought it, think was a, it was a deliberate nod. To, I thought it was uh, a Abrams. deliberate nod because yeah, it was because it, it did stand out quite a bit, and I thought, all oh, right, that's a nod to Abrams, I think. Um, but yeah, if you haven't seen it, go see it. See it on the biggest screen possible. I'm going to go and see it in IMAX. What about you, Steve? You going to go uh, back and see it again? No, because I've already booked for um, Ant Man and the Wasp on Thursday night. All right. Okay. Oh yeah, I'm forgetting. I'm really looking forward to. I haven't seen Ant Man yet. Oh well. Um, uh, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit like it's been out three you've had three years to be fair to watch it so I'd, i'll try and watch it this week i'm just trying uh, to think where i can where i can see it and I, I know it, it was on, on netflix. netflix it was on netflix it, it, it wasn't there when i went to look for it so it's but, gone. um so. Well, you probably get it for like you know tenner <laughs> on, on amazon uh add it to your pile <laughs> um <laughs> no uh, i enjoyed that man i thought it was good fun um to smaller scale and this again i think is obviously going to be slightly comp- obviously it suffers a little bit Cut off the back of uh, the Avengers, Avengers Infinity War, which was huge, wasn't it? I mean, not just huge in terms of its box office, but huge in terms of the film. Um, so this is going to seem a bit of an anticlimax after that. Clearly, yeah. it takes place, takes place chronologically before uh, Infinity, War, Infinity War for obvious reasons. And I guess we'll explain why Ant-Man isn't in Infinity War. And I'm assuming at the end of Ant-Man and Wasp, there'll be something, some sort of scene to tie in with the events of Infinity War. Um but, you know, I, I like the small-scale humour of, of Ant-Man, and no pun intended. Uh, so uh, um, I'm quite looking forward to this. Yeah, I, they're not setting it up as a big blockbuster. No. They're, they're setting it up as, as a little film, a little big film. And, and wisely, uh, what Marvel have done with these smaller films is they have been lower-budgeted movies. I mean, they're still expensive, but not as expensive as, say, Infinity War, which probably costs on like $300 million. But um, this is like a smaller-budgeted film, a smaller-scale film. And so if it doesn't do quite as well, and it's you know, it's doing okay, because it's not making massive money, um, it will still break even and make some cash, which is the mistake, obviously, that um, Lucasfilm made with Solo. You know, they should have gone in with a lower... Like when you end up spending $300 million on something because you film it twice, um, you know, you <laughs> immediately have to basically make you know, $700 million just to start breaking even. Yeah. Uh, so you're already you know, struggling. Um, Whereas Marvel have cleverly thought, okay, well, Ant-Man's going to make limited appeal, so we're not going to make as much money as we make on an Avengers movie, but we know we can make enough to make money. So, yeah, it's fair enough. That's also, is it the third <laughs> third, uh, Avenger, uh, third Marvel movie this year, I think? Because yeah. Black, Black, Black Panther, Avengers, and, and then this. Plus, there's been, I think I'm on my fifth Marvel series, TV series at the moment. So I'm a bit marveled out right now. But I am still quite looking forward to Ant-Man and the Wasp. Mainly because I like Paul Rudd. <laughs> okay, uh, like I say, I haven't seen Ant-Man I'm going to try and see it this week uh, before I go and, I, I'm going to go to the cinema so I need to see it, so I'll find I'll find a way, I'm just looking on Amazon now I'll find a way of getting it um, which brings us on to discs so disc of the month I'm just looking at my Amazon order history just to check if I did buy anything this month I didn't, I've got, I've got a pre-order in now but that's Ready Player One and that's not out till the 6th of August um, so for this month I haven't what a disc! So. I uh, my 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 disc of the month um, is going to be a quiet place. 
So it's not out in the UK till the 13th of August, but I got the US disc, which came out in July, and that's A Quiet Place, uh, which I really, really enjoyed. Uh, I think it's a great little uh, sort of horror thriller, an interesting concept. Uh, small scale, we're talking about a cast of only really four people. Uh, mother, father, and their two children, uh, a deaf daughter and a son. Uh, the father's John Krasinski, who we'll be seeing playing Jack Ryan quite soon in the Amazon series we're talking about at the beginning of the show. And also uh, Emily Blunt. Emily Blunt is absolutely, she's rarely bad in a film, but she's great in this, really good as a mother, trying to deal with a, a world where, I mean, the film's really, it's like, like a lot of great films, it's really about you know a family dealing with um, tragedy but in the context of, of a horror film in the world where these monsters are running around that are attracted to noise. So you can't make any noise. And that's the c- concept. You have to be quiet all the time or they'll attack and kill you. And she's pregnant <laughs> and babies <laughs> aren't known for being quiet. So she's got to deal with a trying to give birth without making any noise and also keep a family together and protect them, etc. And it's a cracking film directed by written and co-written and directed by John Krasinski as well. who does a fantastic job. But the best thing about it in terms of the disc is the sound design. The sound design is absolutely brilliant because trying to create a soundtrack for a film where they're spent to making any noise is genius because, you know, obviously, no matter, you know, it's never quiet, the soundtrack. There's always sounds, insects, the wind, leaves, people's breathing, but walking on, on sand because they're trying to muffle their footprints. People do occasionally talk. It's very little dialogue in the film. They usually talk with sign language. Um, but then when something does happen, when someone makes a noise or one of the monsters turns up, the dynamic range is absolutely st- yeah, enormous. Going from you get so used to it being quiet that when something loud happens, it's just really loud. <laughs> Plus, they also shove in a shed load of bass to really give it more impact. And um, they could make good use of the overheads for the Atmos soundtrack as well. It's a really, lots of really directional sound effects. It's a cracking soundtrack um, and uh, a really good film. So I highly recommend A Quiet Place when it does come out uh, in two weeks. And order. <laughs> yeah, it, you won't regret it, trust me. Well, while, while you were uh, waxing lyrical there, I have just placed my pre-order on Amazon, so it should be here uh, when it's released. Right, um, so that brings us on to disc releases for this coming week uh, on Blu-ray and UHD 4K. Yeah, Um on Blu-ray, uh, we have Pacific Rim Rising, also out on 4K disc as well. I actually got the disc. I bought it from the States. So I've had it, I've had it quite a while. Um, must have come out earlier in America. Um, I think I've had the disc for at least a month. I haven't got around to watching it yet. <laughs> uh, although, I'll be honest, my hopes aren't high because it's not Del Toro uh, who made Pacific Rim. So I think it's going to lack the artistry. Uh, certainly from reading the reviews, you know, it's it's a bit stupid and um, silly. And, and, and not the Pacific Rim wasn't stupid and silly, but it was stupid and silly in an artistic way, which I can deal with more than like I'm in mean, just a dumb way. Uh, but that's out on both um, Blu-ray and 4K disc uh, this week. We've also got Dead Ringers, which is, um, I I'm not sure this has had a Blu-ray release recently, if at all. So this is David Cronenberg's film, which I've ordered actually because I do like Cronenberg and it's one of the few of his body horror films that I don't have in my collection, so I'm going to order that. Uh, we've also got F for Fate, which is a Criterion Collection film. It's a documentary made by um, Orson Welles, which I've seen, and it's really, really good fun because at the beginning of the documentary, he says to you, for the next hour, everything I'm going to tell you is the truth, which he does. But of course, the film's longer than an hour, <laughs> and you forget when the hour's passed. And at a certain point, after an hour... 
everything he starts telling you isn't true but you don't realize that uh it's quite clever the way that it's structured um it's about illusions and um, magicians and, and fakery and uh, art forgery and this kind of stuff but it's it's a really interesting documentary and very clever with it so worth checking if you haven't seen it and also coming out on blu-ray is cannibal ferox uh not my cup of tea if you're a cannibal movie fan right up your street this is a really famous one really horrible i used to have it on laser disc um i had a u.s release um and um, it was actually Sage Stallone, Stallone, Sylvester Stallone's son, whose company released it on Laserdisc in the States, uh, who then died actually really young. Um, it was a horrible film. Not, not, not so much the gore. I don't mind the gore, but there were actually scenes in it, which is one of the reasons why it was banned in the UK, of uh, like animal cruelty, um, real animal cruelty, which I found offensive. So um, they've, that's been cut. Uh, this version is still cut of any kind of animal cruelty, which I totally agree with. Um, but it's uncut in terms of the you know fake gore um, stuff that was also got in the trouble the first time around but if you're a cannibal movie fan um, and I'm sure or, people or, out there are or just a cannibal <laughs> or, or a cannibal uh, yes Cannibal Ferox is out on Blu-ray um, this week as well okay uh, announcements anything being announced well uh, yes there's been some announcements although they've been so first of all in terms of uh, only available on 4K this week so this is because it's already been released on Blu-ray but the Equalizer with Denzel Washington is coming out on 4K disc this week as well which actually I saw on a plane and quite enjoyed. Um, you know, Denzel does does revenge extremely well, and um, it's another one of those films basically where he's like, you know, someone someone wrongs him and then he goes and kills everyone, uh, a bit like Man on Fire. <laughs> um, that's out on Fogadix this week. So in terms of announcements, uh, there have been two announcements made, both of which were heavily uh, rumoured anyway, which is 17th of September for Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom. And the twenty fourth of September for Solo. The These Star are story. US release dates. These are the US release dates, but in the case of Solo, definitely twenty fourth September is confirmed for the UK. Okay. So that's the Monday, twenty fifth for for the US. Uh, Jurassic World is confirmed seventeenth, which is Tuesday, seventeenth of September for the US. I'm assuming it would be similar for the UK because it came out day and date in both countries okay. for cinema release as well, so it shouldn't be any different with the UK. Okay, and we've already covered that Disney yeah, um, yeah. have dropped Dolby Vision on on uh, Avengers and Solo, so we've already covered that one. So we weren't going to do TV shows of the month. We're going to hang on to that for next week when the other guys are back on the podcast because they do watch TV and they'll have stuff to add in there. And it's always interesting to round up what people have been watching over the month because there's been some really um, excellent TV happening this month. Um, there has been some bloody good TV. Yeah. Excellent, and I did watch that one that you recommended about Trump. Fourth and, State. Oh, the um, yeah, what a documentary! They will win yeah. loads of awards for that. That is a superb TV, absolutely super. I was hooked. I was on this edge of my seat at some points, and just thinking that 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 didn't happen, did it? Really? Yeah, <laughs> and when he and when he phones a journalist in the office. <laughs> and you think she's sitting talking, talking to the president of the United it's the, States. It's the one where the crowd starts to turn the journalist at the back of the room when he's yeah. at one of his rallies. Yeah. That's really scary. Yeah. And he's yeah. doing it again this week. You know, we're talking about, you know, don't believe anything you read. It's all lies, fake news. It's like, yeah. you know, the, the, uh, it's a really uh, timely documentary to remind us how important it is that a free and fair press, how important that is to democracy. Absolutely. Um, so we'll do TV shows next week. Um, and we'll also do Ed Roundup and that kind of thing. So, uh, Clone Wars is back. Yeah. Um, obviously, it's been San Diego Comic Con in the last week. No one was expecting much from Star Wars because I guess they're keeping their head down after Solo. Uh, and there's nothing coming until um, episode the end, nine. Of, end, of next year, end of next year, which is episode nine. Uh, but Dave Filoni, who's been put in charge of um, all animated product for Lucasfilm, quite rightly, because he's been doing a brilliant job, um, I know he 
it, when Clone Wars was cancelled after the buyout, um, that rankled with him because he hadn't finished telling the story he wanted to tell yet. And he has to- tied up some of the loose ends in Rebels. But he obviously wanted to, and, and now he's in charge of the animation, he's bringing it back. So it's come back, for, I think, for 12 episodes. Uh, and I guess it's going to tie up all the loose ends that he didn't get a chance to do the first time round. Um, but that's good news because I think Clone Wars is really good. If you haven't seen, if you haven't seen Clone Wars and Rebels, the good Star Wars stuff has been done in the animated realm. Um, these shows have, have got great ideas and are true to the spirit of Star Wars and are far more enjoyable <laughs> than the films have been. So uh, check out Clone Wars if you haven't seen it. There's some great stuff in there. And also Rebels um, is worth checking out too if you haven't seen that as well. Yeah, no, Dad, I'm looking forward to that. And um, I've yet to buy up the, the Clone Wars book set, so I'm, I'm, I have every intention of doing that and catching up with it because I only saw season one. Um, and Rebels, I've only been through season one, but I've actually got the Rebels discs there to watch. I just need to find the time to do that. So, um, yeah, I might do a Rebels and a Clone Wars thing at some point mm. in the next few months um, and then try and catch up with it. Um, so, yeah, that's interesting. I, there wasn't much ca- that came out of Comic-Con. Uh, normally you get a lots of big film announcements, lots of big trailers and all the rest of it. It was particularly quiet this year. Yeah, well, no Marvel. Um, Marvel weren't there because um, they haven't really got anything to announce at the moment. They've obviously Everyone knows they've got Captain Marvel coming out in uh, 8 February, March of next year, and then obviously Infinity War Part 2, whatever it's called in the end, the film's called. Um and I guess they just felt it was what's the point of showing up to say we haven't got anything to announce that seemed a bit pointless so they yeah they weren't there Lucasfilm wasn't uh, well was there but in a much smaller capacity than yeah. in previous years uh, DC are still <laughs> they were there but you know given the troubles they've had in terms of their film product of late no one was really that holding out much I mean Shazam's coming out um, Aquaman so there were some trailers like Aquaman's trailer actually looked quite good fun that's coming out in December but um but yeah, uh, I mean, most of the big announcements been like, you know, they're doing a Joker movie with Joaquin Phoenix. And, yeah. Um, I think, yeah, and I think they're doing another Joker movie with Jared Leto. It's like, really? Two Joker movies? Do we need two? Do we even need a Joker movie? I mean, Joker's yeah. kind of a character in Batman. It didn't need. Um, so, I don't know. Looking at looking at Marvel and then looking at DC, DC just seems directionless. It just seems to be just chucking stuff at the wall to see what sticks. Yeah. Uh, whereas Marvel seemed to have a plan. Um, I mean, when it comes to DC, I think. Am I right in saying that Wonder Woman is the only thing that's really performed from there? Uh, well, Batman vs Superman made good money. Uh, made it's, I think it's still the most successful internationally of all their films, but it wasn't received particularly well critically. Um, Wonder Woman was both successful critically and commercially, um, whereas Suicide Suicide Squad again was quite successful commercially, but didn't do very well critically. Justice League bombed. Uh, yep. both commercially and critically so yeah Wonder Woman is the one and obviously they got Wonder Woman 1984 coming out which is strange strange to do 1984 <laughs> um, you know you kind of do we need a Wonder Woman from the 80s because um, uh, you know she's been in well our Justice League now sort of going back in time to 84 and, and as if anything that's set in the past you're kind of like well we know that person can't die because they're in this film and yeah, that person yeah. can't die so there's always it kind of diminishes the, the, the tension. It's a bit like watching Soda, isn't it? Really, you think, well, he, he can't die, <laughs> so yeah. how much threat can he really be in? That's it. So it's a weird one, but yeah, DC. Um, There's a lot riding on Aquaman. I think they need a hit. They need a hit really badly. <laughs> uh, so um, I guess they're hoping Aquaman does well. Did you see the trailer for Godzilla? Mm. What did you? I think? did, and and well, I'm just not interested in Godzilla to be perfectly honest. It's just a bit silly, isn't it? Big yeah. fire-breathing monster. I, I don't. Yeah. It's got an interesting cast. Um, it's got the girl that plays Eleven. What's her name? Um, yeah, Billy. Millie, Millie Bobby Brown. Millie yeah, Bobby Brown, yeah. um, who's you know, is a good actress. Um, 
but um, I, I don't really care. No, uh, I, I, to be honest. I saw I saw that trailer and I saw a couple of others from Comic Con. I thought, mm, not interested in any of those. I mean, I'll go and see them because I've got a limitless card and I need to use it. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> we get some value out of the bloody thing. But but there's nothing that I'm really looking forward to, to be honest. Um, just wrapping up on the trailer thing, it wasn't a Comic Con thing. It came out a couple of weeks before that. But there is a commercial for a, uh, a mall from the 80s. Did you see it? Yes, yes, I did see that. Yes. That was quite funny. <laughs> Wasn't it? It, it was... got me excited again for yeah. Stranger Things Season 3. And I think number three is that is going to be it, by the all sounds of it. So, Well, um, the thing is, you know, they need to, you, they've already got a finite time uh, window of opportunity, haven't they, yeah. before the kids grow up, yeah, basically. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, so I, I would I would like them to finish on three. I don't want to see them try and squeeze out four or five seasons no, no. when the kids are in their mid-teens and looking gawky and weird. Um, just stick, you know, finish on a high. Uh, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to it, but I, I don't want them to, to milk it too much. No, and, and, also, and was, don't overdo the nostalgia thing as well. Um, which, yeah, you know that that trailer was funny, but at the same time it was it was like, oh please please don't do this with the season. You know, don't overdo the whole nostalgia thing. It's nice that nostalgia is there when it's when it's surrounding what's actually going on. But the strength of it was it was an excellent story and an excellent cast, um, and it was interesting. And the nostalgia was just part and parcel of that i don't want them just to make it into some kind of nostalgia fest um yeah yeah i, I love season two i thought it was really good uh quite emotional actually it was so, and, and i thought actually on the ending of of season two i thought that would that would have wrapped it up nicely actually uh, yeah at that point yeah. they, they could have they could have left it at that um but it's, it's good that they're coming back for another one i just hope that this is the last one um and it's hopefully it'll be entertaining um, that's it for the podcast this week. I've got a long list of people I need to thank. Steve Withers. Would you like to try our mango fruit blast? And Steve Withers. All right, Princess, let's get back to work. And don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook, bookmark AV Forums for the reviews, news, and videos. And of course, leave us a five star rating on iTunes, but only if you enjoyed the show. I'm Phil Hinton. Thank you very much for listening. And we'll all be back next week. So come and tune in and see us then. Yeah.